Hello and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm the mom of two girls. Olivia is 13, Eva is 11. I'm a teacher currently teaching kindergarten. I'm also a freelance writer, a blogger, an occasional TV guest, and I am a podcaster and you are listening to episode 39 of the show. Today in my favorite things, I'm going to be recommending a couple of great suspense novels, as well as talking about a do-it-yourself system for shellac gel manicures at home. And in the lifestyle segment, I'll be talking about some different ways to give back as this episode goes out. It's almost holiday season, and you might be looking for a way to kind of give back during the holidays, do something with your family, maybe colleagues. And I've got a couple of ideas you may actually have never heard of. They were new to me until recently. And then the interview today is with Dr. Andrea Gelinas, um, really interesting woman. She is a businesswoman. She owns her own dental practice. She's known as Toronto's coolest dentist, at least that's what she has been called. She's really got a focus on lessening dental anxiety. She's been in the media before for the way her dental studio is designed, as well as for the way she's done design in her own home, which is kind of neat. And she's the mom of a little guy as well. So we're going to be talking about all those things and more later on in the interview. Kicking things off in my favorite things, a couple of great suspense novels. One is called Wherever She Goes, and it is by K.L. Armstrong. And it's about um, a mom and she... Um, doesn't currently have custody of her daughter. There are some issues going on and she's out for a run. She's at the park and she believes that she sees a kidnapping, that a child has been taken. So she talks to the police, but then a whole bunch of weird things kind of start going on. So she's got stuff going on in her own life. And then it seems like nobody's really paying attention because no kidnapping has been reported, but she's very sure of what she saw. So things kind of all unravel. And then by the end, kind of get, get put back together about was there a kidnapping? What happened to this child? If anything, did, plus all the things going on in, in Aubrey's own life. So that's a really good one. The other one I would recommend is called The Night Before, and it's by Wendy Walker. And it's about a woman who um, has a relationship breakup. So she quits her job, leaves New York City, goes to live with her, her sister and her family in Connecticut. And she decides she wants to move on, try to, try to meet new men through an internet dating site. And her sister, who she lives with, is very worried about her, not only, you know, worried something might happen when she's out dating, but also she has reason to think that maybe her sister might actually do something that she shouldn't do as well. So um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there too. So she goes out on a date, she doesn't come back the next morning. So the sister's trying to figure all of that out. Did something happen to her sister or did her sister kind of happen to someone else? That was The Night Before by Wendy Walker. Something else I want to recommend in my favorite things today is, so we've talked before about shellac manicures. I think way back, I want to say maybe episode two, I talked about them. I love them. So when you go to the salon and they use the UV LED light to cure a special kind of nail polish, it lasts way, way longer than regular manicures. And... I just find it fantastic. I've been doing it for years and years now. So the only problem with that, well, obviously there's the cost issue when you're going out doing something professionally like that and the time to you know make appointments, drive to appointments, all of that stuff, the time that you spend sitting there. So once way back, I bought like a kit at the drugstore that was quite cheap and was, you know, kind of, I got what I paid for there. So wouldn't recommend that one. But then recently I've seen some better ones where you can buy more of a salon quality light 
to use with a system. And so I went on Amazon and I bought all of the things I needed to do the gel manicures at home and I really love them. So I picked up um, the UV LED nail lamp, it was $44. I was looking for ones that had really good reviews without being super expensive. I didn't want to invest hundreds. I'm sure you could get like a super salon model if you wanted to spend a whole lot of money, but I didn't want to uh, to make that big of an investment. So for $44, I went with one that had a ton of amazing reviews. I also picked up the set of base coat and top coat, also essential, especially the top coat. You can't really do a shellac manicure without that. $14 for the two bottles that I bought. Um, when they came, and I did see this in the reviews, so I knew, but I saw that they were tinier than your standard bottle, the ones that I bought. But um, between my daughters and myself, we've done eight manicures so far and they're not even close to running out. So that's a, a good start anyway. And then I also ordered um, the company's Vyshine Soak Off UV LED Gel Nail Polish. And so the offer that they have on Amazon is that you can pick six colors of your choice for $36. And there were dozens and dozens and dozens of choices. So I picked a red, a bright pink, a light pink, a gray, a beige, and a purple. So we kind of had variety to cover any occasion, the main, main color schemes that you might want for your nails. And so as I said, we've done about eight manicures with the kit that cost $94 altogether. And there's still, I mean, we're still swimming in nail polish and everything. So we've already made our money back a couple times over. Not that my daughters typically go for salon manicures, but I was going fairly frequently and, and they get to enjoy everything as well. So some tips about doing the uh, gel manicures at home. Always start with the base coat. You have to do really thin layers and you may have noticed if you've gone for them before at the salon, the, the nail technician doing that. So you're better to do three thin layers that kind of get cured in between each as opposed to two thick ones when it comes to this kind of polish. And the top coat really is what makes the manicure. So after the color coats, when you touch your nails, they still feel a little bit sticky. And really the, the whole point of those lights is that they're quick drying, You like your nails are not wet after, like when you use traditional nail polish, but they do have a little bit of a, I don't know, a tacky coating or film on them. But the top coat is what smooths them all out. And this one really lives up to its claim that it's a no wipe top coat. Sometimes they're a little bit stickier and you need to use um, some sort of pads to remove that stickiness, but this polish, absolutely not. So when you're done, the, the look is very hard and smooth and shiny, exactly like when you're in a salon, which is amazing. The light that we got has three different time settings, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and then 120 seconds on low heat. And between the three of us, we've experimented with different settings because sometimes you think, okay, well, will it set better if I do it for longer? I know at the salon I go to, they use 60 seconds, but I'm assuming maybe their, their lights are stronger. I'm not sure. So we have found out that actually just using 60 seconds for each coat gave just as good a finish as trying to do multiple 60s or using the 120 low or doing a 60 plus a 120 low. None of that made anything last any longer. So really you're just talking about 60 seconds per coat to, uh, to cure them under the light. And I like the one that I got too, the light comes on automatically. So once you've got it set for 60 seconds, you put your hand in and it comes on. You don't have to keep clicking it on or anything like that. I've been really impressed with the finished look every time, but the difference between doing it at home and getting it done at the salon is definitely the longevity of it. So I know I've had mine chip as early as day one, but in that case, I was using my nails to pry off Eva's iPad cover. So obviously that's my own fault that that happened. However, sometimes with a salon, a, sorry, a salon shellac manicure, it wouldn't. So, um, yeah, so anyway, but that happened. But I mean, right now, as I record this, I'm on day six 
of my nice beige color and not one single chip, one single mark. Um, so very, very happy with that. And the bonus of having the supplies is you get a chip, you fix it. Whereas if you go to the salon, you get a color that you don't have. You don't own a, a shellac kit or anything like that. So you're kind of out of luck when, when a nail gets wrecked. Whereas in this case, if you really wanted to keep that color and just touch something up, you totally could. I'm loving being able to do my nails at home instead of spending all that time. Like I said, usually I sit at the kitchen counter where the lighting's nice and bright and put Netflix on the iPad or the laptop beside me and kind of watch TV while I do it, which is great. I've never had to use a remover. I know sometimes when I get professional ones done, I can kind of peel or chip them off. You're not supposed to do that, I know, but I can kind of do that. Or otherwise, you're supposed to take nail polish remover. Maybe you can put it on a cotton ball or, or a tissue and kind of soak it in and then use a nail stick to, to chip everything off that way. So those are kind of the, the approved instructions. But what I find with these is when it's time to go, you can kind of just slide one nail in under the bottom of, of the nail polish on another nail and it'll just kind of peel off. So again, probably not recommended, but that's what I've been doing too. So removal has been easy. And just another note, if you do something like this, it is UV. Um, so of course it's a great idea if you want to put some sunscreen on your hands. They're not under for a whole, you know, huge amount of time, but several minutes each hand. Um, but one of us learned the hard way that if you do that and there's any still on your nails, then the product won't adhere properly. And so it will bubble, it'll look really unappealing, you have to start all over. So make sure if you do sunscreen your hands, you're wiping your nails, like your actual nails off after so that uh, so that you don't have to worry about that. So uh, very glad I made the purchase, definitely going to keep using it. This is not sponsored whatsoever. I, I paid in full for all of these things. And you can find all of this information on the, uh, the UV LED light system that I bought, the base and top coats and the polish in the show notes for this episode. And they're at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And you can click on episode 39. The links are there, photos, all of that stuff if you want to check them out. If you are looking for me on social media, I would love to be found. I am on Twitter and Facebook at thismomloves and on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. It really, truly makes my day when I hear from somebody who has listened to the podcast. So, I mean, maybe you've got a question about a book I recommended today or something about the shellac manicures. Maybe you just want to tell me what you think about something. Maybe you've got a great book to recommend that you think I might like or another tip that I haven't mentioned as well. So it really, really means a lot to hear from people. So please do not hesitate to reach out. My website is thismumloves.ca and you can click on a page if you want to look for my print articles, if you want to see my TV appearances, and there's a, a page for all of my podcasts as well. And then there's just the, uh, the blog where you can find all of the different things that I've been writing about lately. Moving on to the lifestyle segment today, five ways to give back at the holidays and beyond. So these are all things with which I have firsthand experience. And although I'm talking about it right now in this episode, because we're gearing up for holidays and I know people are often looking for, you know, good things to do around this time, these organizations want your help at any time. So if you are listening to this podcast episode in February or June or any other time, I'm sure they would still love your help, but maybe it's a new year's resolution to get involved. So, um, so anytime is good. 
One is the shoebox project. And I'm sure I talked about this last year on the podcast. It's hard to believe I've been podcasting long enough to be able to say last year at this time. So it was founded by Caroline Mulroney and her three brothers' wives, so Jessica, Katie, and Vanessa Mulroney. And basically it's all about preparing gift boxes for women who are in shelters around the holidays. So I helped out with the uh, the local collection where I live last year and between my family and friends, we put together 14 boxes, which was great. I do have a full post about the shoebox project that I will link to in the show notes for this episode. It's got how to put together a box, the do's and don'ts for what you put in, but it's just basically things like, you know, put in a shampoo and conditioner, put in some body wash, put in a pair of mitts, a little chocolate treat, maybe a little gift card to purchase something somewhere. Um, All of those kind of women's personal items that that those women are probably not receiving this Christmas or whatever holiday it is they celebrate this time of year um, that can make them feel special, make them feel loved. So I will have all that information too. And I mean, you know, for things like this, whether it's the shoebox project or anything, also remember you can try to fundraise creatively. So for example, I gathered up a set of books I was ready to part with because I get a ton of review copies of books and I'm such a declutterer that even when they're really good books, I don't see a need to have them sitting on my shelf. So I'm always kind of ready to pass, pass along the wealth for other people to enjoy. So I gathered a set And I sold them on my school board's buy and sell group for $50, which is the value that you're supposed to include in a box for the shoebox project. And when I advertised the set of books, I let the potential buyers know that I'd be using that money to make a box for the shoebox project. So, you know, that they knew that their money was going to a a good spot as well. And it allows me the funds to um, put together an additional box. And the ECE partner that I have working with me right now, as my permanent partner's mat leave is wrapping up, she and I decided that we're going to assemble a box together instead of doing Christmas gifts for each other this year too. So we're just, you know, splitting it up and bringing things in and making a box together, which uh, which I feel really good about. The second way, which of course you have heard about, is supporting food banks. So whether it's as simple as, you know, dropping off an item or maybe organizing something in your workplace or a big collection at home, it's a it's extremely um, important way to help support people to meet their basic needs, of course, which is, you know, being fed. I've seen neat advent calendars. It's kind of like a, a reverse advent calendar where you add things instead of taking things out. So, you know, the one I've got here, it says December 1st, put in a box of cereal. December 2nd, peanut butter. December 3rd, stuffing mix. And you can put it all together. And I know, again, at Christmas time, people are always thinking of putting these things together for people to have for their Christmas meal, which is wonderful to uh, to make the holiday special for people. But cupboards can be really bare in January too. So if you, you know, don't have the time for it right now, or maybe you yourself don't really have the funds to spare at the moment, after Christmas when things quiet down, they will gladly take your food donations too. Um, Things like that will not be turned away. And something interesting that I learned, I know with kids and food drives, it's really, you know, tangible and hands-on for them to bring in, like, here's my box of macaroni and cheese, or here's my can of soup, and that's wonderful to, you know, physically put at the food drive. But just so adults know, uh, I have learned that your cash donations can go farther than you think. You might think, well, I'll bring in a dollar, um, a box of mac and cheese that's worth a dollar. But if you actually donate $1, they can probably buy $3 worth of food because of the relationships that they have with retailers or manufacturers or bulk discounts that they get. So being able to give cash actually can go even further if that's something you're interested in. A third way to give back at the holidays is to consider sponsoring a child. And I know there are tons of different programs out there. My parents have been doing one for as long as I can remember. And in the summer, our family decided that we wanted to start doing that as well. So we researched different organizations and we ended up choosing one called Chalice. 
it's a Catholic charity and it's located in Nova Scotia. And so I kind of like that, you know, their business decisions are based on our religious values because we are Catholic, but they're very specific about the fact that they don't evangelize the participants. They provide support equitably regardless of faith. So they don't care if the people they're helping are Catholic, but I just know when they're, you know, figuring out what to do with their money and things like that, they're probably thinking similarly to how I might. Um, and you can even click on the website to, you know, if you're interested in a girl or a boy or age or whatever. So the girls thought they might like to sponsor a girl in between their ages. So they chose 12 year old Maxilda from Zambia. And they were thrilled when we got our first letter from her and then we were able to write her back and they decorated the letter and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's a really nice way to get little kids involved. If you're interested in some sort of long-term, you know, this one is a monthly financial commitment. Um, but so far I'm really pleased that we signed up for that. A third one that might be new to you, sorry, I'm the fourth one now, is international micro lending through Kiva. And I had never heard of Kiva, I think it's pronounced Kiva, until I was reading a book by Jen Hatmaker. And I'm sure sometime on the, on the podcast, I'll get around to talking about Jen Hatmaker and her great books. But she had talked about this. So for my birthday in July, some family members gave me some money. And so I bought a couple things with it, but I wanted to do something to benefit others with the remainder. And so I went on the Kiva website and actually the idea is that whatever contribution you give, it's a loan. So it's not so much that you're making a donation. And so I'm assuming there's no tax right off there because you're actually loaning the money and it gets pooled with other contributors from, you know, anybody else around the world who's contributing to these loans. And the loan is actually set to be repaid after a period of time. So while there are no guarantees, they have a 96.8% repayment rate. So the odds are you could get your money back in full and choose to reinvest it or not. That part's totally up to you. So I got the girls to help me to choose where to direct these funds. So we decided to support Mary Alley, a woman in Colombia. She's a restaurant owner who was looking for a loan to help her purchase rice and vegetables and fish and meat, pork and soft drinks for her restaurant. And I mean, that was in July. I'm recording this in November and she's already paid back 17% of the entire loan. And again, I think it says there are 13 of us who all pooled in together to, to give her the money. And we also chose to support single mom Maria, a farmer also from Colombia, and she wanted to purchase manure and fertilizer to improve her crops. So we, uh, we put some money in there as well. So on the Kiva website, you can see photos, detailed descriptions about the borrowers. They're found worldwide, the repayment schedules, and there are also filters if you want to narrow down, like what country you want to support or... Um, uh, what kind of sector, you know, that you, uh, that you want to put your money behind. So that's really neat. So that's Kiva. And then the last one is the sick kids get better gifts. So the closest children's hospital to me is the hospital for sick children in Toronto. I know many, many people close to me who have either had their lives improved or even saved by going to sick kids. And they have something called the get better gifts. So you're giving a gift to someone, but really what you're doing is putting money into the things that they want to do at sick kids. So it could be a $10 gift towards parking passes for parents who are visiting the hospital or um, what, let's see, some of my favorite ones right now at holiday time, $20 for holiday cooking and baking supplies for kids, $25 for photos with Santa. You can contribute $45 for a holiday meal for a family. Some gifts this year are being matched by Kraft peanut butter, so you can look online if you want, you know, to see where your, your funds can maybe go further if they're being matched. But So an example of how we've done this in the past, so my grandma is always very, oh, you don't need to get me anything, but... We, of course, always want to get her something. And so one year we gave the money 
to the sick kids get better gifts for a sleeper chair so that parents that sick kids are able to stay by the child's side through the night. And you can print off from the website, you know, a little card saying what it is that you gave on behalf of that person. So if you know somebody who, you know, has everything, too much stuff, they don't want gifts, but you want to kind of do something in their name, that's a really nice way to do it. And, uh, and you might want to put that on your wish list if you're one of those people who, you know, has enough and, and doesn't want, you don't want people buying you anything anymore, you could ask for something like that, or you could ask people to support any of the things I've mentioned or any other charity or, or organization that you want to support. It's kind of nice just to tell people, you know, donate to this if you want to give me a gift. It's a nice idea. I am really excited to introduce my special guest this week, Dr. Andrea Jelinas. She is the mom of a young son and a successful business owner who has actually been called Toronto's coolest dentist. Her dental studio and her renovated home have also generated some media attention. So I'm very pleased to have her on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I want to jump right into talking about your very atypical dental practice. So as I mentioned in the intro, you've been called Toronto's coolest dentist, and I know you feel very strongly about helping to dissipate the dental anxiety that so many patients feel and and offering that positive experience. So how are you accomplishing that? You know, I really wanted there to be a distinct difference that was both visible and visceral from as soon as you walked in. Um, I'm really happy that it's been described in that way because I think it's time for the industry to change a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, having socialized medicine, the bar is set really low in most medical and dental Mm. industries. And it's really sad. I think now there needs to be a shift towards what is that experience like? And I think that, you know, the interiors of the office are very important in creating and helping offer a really good experience because there are a lot of people that do suffer from dental anxiety. And it's, it's quite sad because it makes them just avoid going to the dentist and then they end up in pain and it just is really Mm -hmm. unfortunate. So Yeah, I just tried to create that in, you know, it's the second that you walk in the door, um, you're greeted by usually Michelle, who's sitting at the front, and it's someone that is familiar and that is expecting you to come in. You've already had some kind of email conversation or maybe phone call that you've had. Um, And I think it's just important to have those connections from this, this, like I said, the second that you walk in. And then, you know, from there, there's a nice comfortable couch to sit on. There's, you're surrounded by books and magazines that have to do with, you know, travel and art and design, not some half ripped apart magazine from like 2002 with all the recipes gone. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not difficult. It's like I thought about what do I want? What's the experience that I want to have? What do I like to read? What do I like to look at? Um, You know, and then you can sit down and if you've rode your bike, there's some cucumber water or orange water and there's some coffee if it's first thing in the morning and you want to grab a coffee and just to kind of sit and feel like you're in a space where you can relax before you're about to go in for your appointment. Um, And then The other thing that I thought about as well in terms of just the visceral is I interviewed and spoke to so many people as I was designing the office, 
my mom is a huge dental phobe. Um, and I just asked, you know, what do you like? What do you not like about your experience? And the visceral component is huge. You know, the, do you hear the noise of the drill when you walk in? Does it have that medical smell? Um, are people miserable sitting at the front desk? <laughs> like, I just tried to take all of those things and do the exact opposite. So I have diffusers throughout the office. So it smells a little bit more like a spa. Um, there's actually good music playing, like, <laughs> you know, the Rolling Stones <laughs> or Stevie Nicks, or maybe a little bit of like Erica Badu or Lauren Hill. Like, all of it is is with intention, every single thing. Um, and then when you get in the treatment rooms, I have TVs that are mounted on the ceiling with as close to noise canceling headphones as possible so that you didn't have to hear, you don't have to hear the noise of the drill or the instruments. You can kind of zone out into and watch something while you're getting your procedure done. So, so yeah. That all sounds amazing. Excellent. So putting everything all together, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced with the business? Oh, I mean, honestly, everything that that doesn't have to do with dentistry was, was a challenge, with the exception of the, <laughs> the design element, because I truly love interior design. And I think if I wasn't a dentist, I would be I would I would love to be an interior designer. But anything that has to do with the business, I mean, managing a team was quite challenging, especially doing that. I had found out a month before the office opened that I was pregnant. So, so opening a business mm. and being pregnant at the same time were really difficult. And I think, you know, what I learned and what I am learning about managing a team is that your needs are last. And that mm. kind of helped prepare me for motherhood as well. Because <laughs> yep. also very, you know, at the very, very end when you come home. So I just I found I found that aspect of it really challenging. But it just, you know, as dentists, we were so fixated on taking these continuing education courses to further our craft and our skills. And having this business made me realize like I need to take some courses about customer service and I need to read some books about, you know, the Disney experience, because that's like the ultimate level of customer service. All of those things became mm. more important than what's the latest, you know, bonding adhesive that's come out of the market in dentistry. Like that stuff <laughs> is not as important anymore. It's like, there are so many other elements of making the experience a positive one that go into it. So moving away from the business now and more to your home. So your West End Toronto home is a former rectory, which is pretty cool. Can you talk a little bit about the lengthy renovation process that I know you went through? I've heard that you were very hands-on with it all and that a lot actually took place there while you were pregnant too. Yeah, we did. So we've had the home now for six years and we did the renovation in two stages. So the first part was like the nitty gritty really stressful, super hands-on, like mattress on the floor, demoing, like the spray foam that nobody ever sees, the roof that nobody ever sees, <laughs> like the endless amounts of sanding, all of the woodworking. That was kind of the beginning stages. Um, 
it was really important for me to preserve the really key architectural components in terms of the layout of the house, because it there is a bit of a historical element to it being a rectory, and I didn't want to just rip all the walls down. The other element that I loved with the, you know, the woodworking and the plaster, that took a lot of care. And I, being a dentist and paying attention to small, small, small details, got really hyper fixated on like making sure all of the old original woodworking was was well cared for and it just was so many endless nights of sanding I can't even tell you I don't ever want to see a sander ever again um yeah that part was difficult and then you know and then we lived in it for a few years and then it was like extreme nesting (laughs) when I was pregnant I decided you know, the the first bit of the reno, like I said, is stuff that you can't really see, but things that are really important, heat, insulation, stuff like that. And then, and then became all of the fun stuff kind of at the end. Um, and then we threw in two bathroom renos that were on the second floor. So the second floor was untouched almost during the first part of the reno. So it had a lot of the original flooring um, and to just really old bathrooms. And so we kind of decided that we slash I forced us to finish the rest of the house because, you know, it's like, then you have a baby and when are you going to rip apart your floors? You're just not going to. So at seven months pregnant, we moved into a basement apartment and then I just went like a bit, over the top. And I was like, we have to just do everything. I don't want to have to do one more thing. So I had hired an interior designer. That's actually a colleague's wife. Thank God. Otherwise I don't think anyone (laughs) put up with a woman that was seven months pregnant that just kept adding things to the list. Like we did in two months, we managed to do all the floors in the house, all the windows, every last piece of furniture, the nursery, two bathrooms, and some design elements in the kitchen. It was really intense. <laughs> but we got it done. Wow. Yeah. So you uh, do feel done? Absolutely. I told I told Shauna, like, I don't want to have to buy not even a light fixture. I'm over it. Like, I, I don't want to do anything. I want to enjoy Nico. I want to enjoy this home. I want to try and figure out how to be a new mama. And then I want to go back to my first baby, which was the business. So yeah, I figured it. all of those other things would be exhausting. I didn't want to have to do any more. I recently read the book, The Art of Making Memories. And in it, the author talks about how using photographs and travel artifacts in the home can be really important when it comes to keeping memories alive. And I know you've done a lot of that in your space as well, from travels and photography, things like that. So what are some special items that you have on display? So I think there's like every single thing in the house has a lot of meaning. It's the same thing as the office. In the office, I have this beautiful... um, built-in bookshelf and it's full of just things that I've collected over the years and the house is the same way there's jars of shelves throughout the house that I collected with my dad on you know different trips to beaches all over the world the Philippines Australia Mexico Thailand we had an aquarium when I was a small child that had a starfish so I have the dried starfish that I've like 
wrapped in bubble wrap every single apartment and house that I've ever lived in. And now it's living here. Um, And then we have this beautiful gallery wall that's filled with art that I've collected from flea markets from all over the world. I lived in New York City for a few years. And so I have this, these beautiful black and white prints that I found at a flea market of these ballerinas from the New York City Ballet. I have um, a mask that my parents brought back from a trip to Borneo. There's old photos that I found um, when my grandmother had passed away and we were cleaning part of the house out that were really small photos that I had reprinted that my grandfather took after the war when he was in Paris. And they're just so beautiful. And I feel like it all tells a story. I have like black and white wedding photos and a lot of artwork from my stepson from when he was a small child that he drew that we framed and is on the wall. Um, And so I really think that it makes, it makes something, instead of it being a house, it really feels like a home. Like it tells a story. And I think that that that's really important. I totally agree. And I've also heard that you really love color and pattern in your home. And I laughed when I read a quote from you in Toronto Life where you said, I'm sick of gray and beige, gray and beige, because my style, very gray and beige, maybe some white thrown in there too. Um, So what are some small steps that people like me can take to add a little bit more color or pattern to our homes? You know, I knew, I knew the second that I said that, that that was going to come back to bite me. I... (laughs) It's funny because in clothing, I mostly wear black or navy or navy and black. It's like, that's it. Um, mm. And I, I think you, I think people just get really nervous to use color because it feels so permanent. But at the end of the day, I think the easiest things to do are just with paint and wallpaper. There's so much fun wallpaper um, and you can throw it up. And if you decide that you don't like it, it then, I mean, th- this is not the wallpaper like that we used to have in the eighties. That was such a pain to remove, but the stuff now usually just peels right off and it'll be an afternoon. That's like, maybe not so pleasant that you could be at the park or whatever. But I think wallpaper is a, is a great way to show, to introduce a little bit of color or a lot of color on either one wall or a lot of walls. I mean, I have wallpaper everywhere. Um, and then I think with paint too, like the two, if I were to think of two different eras that I love the most, um, one is like New York city in kind of the seventies and eighties, that grungy, a little bit studio 54 kind of vibe. And then the other is the prohibition era. So in my house, I decided to, use that kind of idea of this prohibition style vibe in the dining room. So the entire dining room is like a peacock blue. All of the moldings, the ceiling is high gloss. And it's like that creates such a vibe that then everything else just kind of falls into place. So And then in saying that, in the kitchen, there's this amazing um, banana leaf wallpaper that they have at this restaurant called Indochine in New York City that like Andy Warhol used to hang out and they used to have all these fashion parties and, you know, when New York seemed like it was a lot of fun. And so I took that wallpaper and I put it, I'm, I'm actually adding another wall because I love it so much. And it's such a statement that it makes everything else like easy to kind of figure out what are the next things to add. And then all of the other things can stay 
really neutral because you've got this great wallpaper on the wall. And, you know, I love the idea of trying a little bit of wallpaper. I have to tell you, though, my husband grew up in a very old, completely wallpapered home and spent, like, (laughs) weeks and months of his life stripping the paper in every room and helping repaint and everything. So all I have to do is say wallpaper and he starts twitching. But the the peel-off ideas are are a lot different now. So I'll work on them. Because then it makes it, like, relatively easier to put up yourself and start with one, like, one, one wall in a powder room. Like how big could the wall be? Probably yeah. not very big. And then it's easy and you can kind of test it out. But it was a really fun way for me to create like a nice environment in Nico's room. I've got this great wallpaper that has monkeys and and um, chameleons and birds. And so now in the morning we like count the monkeys and he counts the birds. And it's just fun. There's There's just so much color that then when I, if I were to take away the wallpaper and look at everything else in his room, it's pretty neutral. <laughs> So how old is Nico now? About 20 months? Yeah, he's he just turned 19 months the other week. Okay. And what are some of the highs and lows for you at this phase of parenting? You know, the highs are absolutely watching him learn. Um, learning new words and how excited he gets when he utilizes those words in the correct way and everyone is so happy and smiling. <laughs> And then just watching his personality develop, it's like, you know, I see a little bit, obviously I see, I see a bit of myself, I see a bit of Wayne, and then I see like a little bit of my brother, I see a little bit of my dad sometimes, and my mom, so it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to watch this little being kind of grow and learn and he just started daycare so now he has friends at daycare and like he calls them by name as we're leaving it just is it's very cute (laughs) and I love it I just I really I think because I waited so long to become a mom I really am embracing all of it not that there's not challenges but going back to like the second part of your question the lows I think in starting daycare just the constant runny nose and you know this week he had hand foot and mouth Mm. oh my god I like to to just watch him be so uncomfortable and in so much pain was so difficult because I just want to take that away from him (laughs) and I can't it's like I kept asking like so how long 10 to 14 days 10 to 14 days I'm like oh my god I can't watch this for 10 to 14 days like I just feel so bad for him yeah. Just think though, you're building up his immunity, which is good. Cause I teach kindergarten and I know a lot of times if they come in and they haven't been exposed in daycares or other settings, then it all starts hitting them then. So it's good to get all of that out of the way. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's been a challenge. And I think just, I would like to completely eradicate this idea of balance. I think it's, it's such a, it's such a terrible thing because it, it always leaves us feeling like we're not doing enough as moms. Um, and I think there's never, it's like you, you might feel balanced for literally five minutes and then it just all goes to shit and that's okay. And I think yeah. that's one thing, that, you know, I've have found very challenging is this idea in this, in this moment in time, you know, with Instagram and social media and all, there's incredible elements of all of those things in terms of being able to connect and, create a different kind of community. But the negative side of that is this idea that you have to have this like 
quote unquote perfect fall photo or this perfect pumpkin carving experience or whatever. And it's just, sometimes it's not possible and that's okay. And nothing is ever going to really feel balanced because the one second that it does, you wake up the next morning and it's something else. And that's yeah. also and okay. I, I always like to say that it's balance over time. You know what I mean? Like that everything all fits in maybe in the course of a week or in the course of a month, but you're not going to feel like at the end of every day, you're going to go to bed thinking, oh, I balanced it all and everybody's thrilled with me today because no, that just doesn't happen. No. And it's okay. And I think it's like, you know, having spaces like this to talk about those things, I find really helpful and empowering in, in the moment of this like you know, picture perfect Instagram lifestyle. It's like, no, no, no. It's okay to not have those things. Like you said. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) So you are running a successful medical practice, raising a child. You've got your home renovation done, all the other things on your plate. What are some of the supports or hacks that you have to kind of help you through all these things? Honestly, within the last six months, I've found a really good therapist and she has helped me exponentially I think just navigating my emotions and expectations both as a mother and a partner and a business owner and it's funny how sometimes it takes actually paying someone (laughs) for their advice (laughs) like really absorb what they're saying and a lot of it I feel like as as moms and women we have as intuition in the back of our minds anyways. But I think just going and finding someone to help you navigate those things for me anyways, has been really critical. So yeah, I feel like that's, if that's something that anyone is thinking about, just try it. And like the same way that I approach dentistry and I tell my patients, you have to find the right person. If you end up going to see someone and you feel like you don't have, you know, you're not on the same page or the vibe isn't what you were thinking for, there's so many other therapists that you can go to. You got to find the right fit. And when you find the right fit, it will become so helpful. And I think it's really great that you're just opening up about that here because I think for some people, there still might be a bit of a stigma or I don't want to talk about it. And some people probably are going to therapy and just aren't sharing that or whatever. So I think that's great because I certainly do think that's an excellent piece of advice for people who are trying to uh, to take care of all those things that are on their plates. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like ask, asking for help and knowing what you need. That That is so important. And yeah, I really, I I wish that there wasn't the stigma that there is. And, you know, I often think about we've come so far and I think I take it for granted because I have, um, my best friend is a clinical psychologist and I spend a lot of time actually talking and listening to each of my patients. And I have a lot of patients that come in with dental anxiety and there's that element of just listening. And I feel like because I'm surrounded by it all day long, I I don't realize until I kind of step outside of that, that there still is such a stigma. And it's quite sad because it's really helpful. It is really helpful when you find the right person. So yeah, I really just hope that more people do that. And if you don't know who to go to, I mean, just ask, ask people, they'll guide you. We have great places in Toronto. Um, and I think the more people talk about it, and the more that they ask, the more they'll be given an opportunity to connect with the right people. And, you know, sometimes 
we go to our medical doctors and same thing. Like if you're going to your medical doctor and you're asking for help and they're not guiding you in the right way, then find another doctor. Like you need to have a team. You sh- we should all have teams of people that are helping us take care of ourselves because you can't take care of other people, especially little people, um, if you're not really taking care of yourself. So it's really important. Excellent advice. So we have reached the end of the interview. And the final question that I ask all my guests is if they have a this mom loves or a favorite thing to share with listeners. Is there anything that you would recommend? Honestly, in the last month, this this is going to sound a little bit ridiculous, but I've now realized that there's some medical significance. So it's opened, it's opened me up a little bit more. So honestly, just at the end of the day, taking a couple minutes to do some deep breathing is so important. And it's actually, so there's something called the polyvagal theory and without getting too much into it, it's just, we can control our heart rate and that sense of calm just by controlling our breath and by slowing our breath down. And I listened to a podcast about it. There is an orthodontist, Bruce Freeman, that I know that is also a yoga instructor and he sent me the link for it. And I watched the Ted talk. And I thought, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. It merges like, you know, science and yoga. I love it. And then I started actually implementing it. And I'm finding that I'm able to just get to sleep quicker and it's making me feel a lot more calm. So even in those moments when Nico is like just losing it, if I can just walk into the room, (laughs) close my eyes for just a couple seconds and take just a few deep breaths it makes a big difference. And if you do it at the end of the night and slowly kind of build over time, it's really actually helpful because there's a physiological reason why it's helpful. So it actually does work. I mean, the yogis were onto something, but I think the science, the science just also solidifies it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the type. I like to have that kind of scientific uh, research to back up the things I'm doing. So that's a helpful little tip. Thank you. So Dr. Andrea Jelinas, thank you so much for being here. I've learned a lot from you today. Thanks so much. And we have reached the end of episode 39 of This Mom Loves. I would like to thank my fantastic podcast editor, Lucas Wojcicki, and thank all of you for being here. As always, I would just love to mention that if you're enjoying the show, please do rate or review it wherever you listen to podcasts, even on iTunes. Just really quickly uh, click on how many stars you would rate the show can be really helpful um, for other people who are looking for podcasts and uh, and helps them to find, find new things to listen to that come highly recommended. So I would really appreciate if you could take a moment to do that and I will be back with you next time.